Hello, I'm Andrew Fuller. I'm a clinical psychologist and work with children, teenagers and their families, particularly in the areas of resilience, learning strengths and well-being. I'm also the chairperson of Generation Next. And in this series of podcasts, I'll be speaking with people who are experts in their area in terms of mental health and well-being. Thank you for joining us and thank you for being part of the Generation Next podcast group. Thank you. And I'm very delighted today to be joined by the esteemed educator with over 50 years of experience in relationships, well-being, and just helping schools to really function well. And also my co-presenter, one of the co-presenters of Three Men in a Feeling, one of the shows that we did on Radio National about emotions, John Hendry. So welcome, John. Thank you, Andrew. It's lovely to be here. And I hope I'm of able to give something of use to all those who are listening. So I often think that we can only be as healthy as as the quality of our relationships allow us to be. What's your thoughts about that? I think it's fundamentally correct. Uh, we live our lives totally in relationships and we are described in life by how we behave in relationships. The human brain was put together to actually make sure that we could get our relationships right. And I'm, I'm certain that that's the case. And uh, so my interest in relationships is that if we get our relationships right, then everything else falls into line. Our mental health, our physical health, our capacity to deal with problems and all those things fall into line. If we don't get them right and the relationship we have with others or the relationship with we have with ourselves both are interconnected but if we don't get it right then we stumble and we stumble severely and one of the most dangerous things in life is to get that wrong and then find that you are alone loneliness is the most dangerous circumstance one can find oneself and so this is a really important thing for young people to look at what is a really quality relationship how do you go about forming and how do you nurture it? How do you deal with the changing nature of it? And how do you deal with those mistakes that you inevitably make within the relationship or that others make in the relationship with you? Because all damage, all harm is done within relationships. That's where it hurts. We spend a lot of time talking about relationships when they don't work well, but it's important uh, and I know you've spent time thinking about and identifying the five features of relationships when they do work well. So let's spend a bit of time, if you wouldn't mind, elaborating on those five characteristics of a positive, healthy relationship. All the research across all different types of relationships, whether it be in a team or whether it be individually or in a classroom or whatever, really uh, centres on five basic elements. And the first one is trust. So what really is trust in reference to a relationship? And I ask all those who are listening to think, what does trust mean to them in their most closest friend, their relationship? What does it really mean? Because trust is the enabling glue that enables us to build confidence that we can make a contribution to a relationship. Trust is where you are absolutely vulnerable. You Put your head on the chopping block, if you like. Uh, you're right out there. And Ben A. Brown and many others have done a lot of research in trust. 
the neuroscience of trust is really interesting, but we haven't got time to go into it this morning. But it is really, really critical. Uh, and we have lost trust in institutions. We have lost trust in uh, all manner of ways. It's tested all the time. And I think it's really important. So number one is trust. And I ask people to think carefully about it in reference to themselves. Do they trust themselves? as well as trusting those who are close to them or even distant from them in a relationship. The second one is forgiveness. And this is not a religious con concept whatsoever. So in order to better understand forgiveness, you and I have talked about it, Andrew, uh, is that I ask people to look at the word forgive and break it into the two words that make up forgive. It's for and give. And in a relational sense, you need to lift the four from the front and put it at the back. You give for the relationship because when you form a relationship or find yourself within a relationship, you are taking on considerable obligation. And this is particularly important. So forgiveness is really important. We know that we make mistakes in relationships. We don't listen carefully. We make judgment too quickly. We bring our own biases and values to uh, to various circumstances, and we can we see this all the time. We need to deal with those mistakes constructively. We need not to harm ourselves in, or others in dealing with those mistakes. We look for a way forward, a way that is constructive, not destructive. Uh, the third one is integrity. Integrity just simply means for everyone doing the right thing in the moment. So uh, this is you know, we can make it really complicated and talk about morals and ethics and all those sorts of things. But it's just, for God's sake, doing the right thing in the right moment when you need to do the right thing. Now, this is really important. I, I build integrity and in relationships on two basic moral precepts, basic philosophy. The first one is the Hippocratic Oath. First, do no harm. So in any relationship, no one invests a license in you to harm another. You do not want to be harmed. You don't want to harm another. So that's the second, which is the golden rule. Put those two together when you are in a relationship and your relationship will function particularly well and you'll be able to trust. You will feel safe. You will be respected. You will be safe in that relationship. So integrity is particularly important. And I ask people who are listening to analyze their own thinking in reference to do they take shortcuts? Do every now and then they just let it go? Do they walk past a piece of paper and don't pick it up? Do they see someone behaving badly, bullying another kid, and they make no effort to do it? Because, in fact, as soon as you don't do these sorts of things, then you are endorsing that type of living circumstance. So you're endorsing the behaviour. You are responsible complicitly for what you let go. And so this is important. So this fits into integrity and as the third. The fourth one is hope. And hope is the thing that really gets us up in the morning. If hope's the thing, the last thing left in Pandora's box, and those who don't know the story about Pandora, have a look at it. It's really good fun. But it's the last thing left in the box. It is the thing that we need to maintain. Because if you have less hope, you're less likely to do as well as you would want to do. If you have if you're hopeful, you give yourself a chance. So the research around hope is fundamental in developing a sense of well-being for yourself and well-being for others that you interact with or you 
relate to. And the last one is compassion. And that's a really important one. And I hope people understand this. We are all empathic beings because we have mirror neurons. So when I'm looking at someone and I see that they're sad, then I immediately know that all people who are looking at this when they go to sad movies, depending on what their mood is and so forth. But most of us are disturbed by sad movies and we cry. and We're listening to music that is, it, it affects us emotionally. So we are empathic beings. However, if I'm self-centered, I'm a narcissist, I just, it's all about me, then I'm still empathic because I know that the person I'm looking at is sad, but I don't care. So it's their business, not mine. So a compassionate person is a person who actions care in a relationship. So I look at you, Andrew, and I say, oh, Andrew's upset. So I would say I recognize immediately and everyone who looks in the face of another person can read the face in an emotional sense. Then I, if I'm a compassionate person, I would say, Andrew, are things not okay? Can I help? And that means you're a compassionate person. Now, those five things are essential in every relationship you form with your closest friend, with yourself, with people who are just casual friends, the person you buy uh, milk from, a person you buy petrol from. And by law, those five elements uh, exist because we have in Australia and in the Western world, in fact, in all legal systems, we have a thing that in our system is captured in the neighbourhood principle, which means that I am responsible for how my behaviour affects all those people around me. So when I'm driving a car, riding a bike, I am responsible for what happens to anyone else should I make a mistake and damage them or damage property or whatever. So these are really, really uh, interesting things. However, a relationship is where we live. It is who we are. And if we want to perform really well in our studies or uh, uh, our sport or just living with other people, what we really need to do is understand deeply the relationship and form them well. And I have, we can form relationships of one of two bases. The first one is I can form it to get benefit. So I'm, I'm forming a relationship on what I can get from it. So I'm a taker. The other, the other way of forming a relationship is on the basis of what I can give to it and what I can contribute, what value I can add to it. So my advice to everyone is form it on the latter. I ask everyone and I form relationships on what I can give, I contribute. Now, in all my teaching, in all my coaching of elite sport and so forth, my first question that I ask of other people that I'm either obliged to in a relationship, in a professional sense or in a friendship sense, I'm really looking to add value to that relationship. And I ask them, are you joining my class? Are you joining my club? Uh, are you joining my cricket 11 or whatever it might be, my football 18 or whatever to make a contribution or are you just looking to take some benefit? As soon as the benefit to you is diminished, you walk away from the relationship. So you take things rather than give things. And we are defined clearly in life by that. Takers, this is really good research on taking and giving. 
and probably the best research is Adam Grant, wrote a wonderful book, uh, Giving and Taking or Take and Give. Uh, and it's a, it, it is fundamental. There are many people who form transactional relationships on the basis of taking. So trust, forgiveness, integrity, hope, and compassion. Now, obviously they all, when they're present, relate to increased performance for everybody really in all aspects of their life. And I wonder, thinking about the need to educate young people or people generally really in positive relationships and how to increase that capacity in the world. There's been an emphasis recently in a discussion around relationships education, particularly in our schools, but probably more broadly and in our parliament as well. Your thoughts on that? I think we must, we must start teaching relationship-based education. I think we have to do that. If we don't do it, we just assume that relationships osmotically, we understand them, they just occur. And really, I think we're obliged to actually uh, teach relationships and we're obliged as individuals to learn about them. So I think we should teach to little children trust, forgiveness, integrity, hope and compassion and continue to investigate those five elements and their interaction in the health and well-being of the individual and the health and well-being of other people. My health and well-being is substantiated by how other people treat me as much as how I treat them. So my capacity to be resilient, to deal with challenge and to deal with mistake and to perform as well as I would feel comfortably performing is really not entirely just my own business. It is connected to other people. There is a connectedness. And this is research by uh, many, many, many people. But Ryan and Dacey came up with self-determination theory a long time ago. And, and the three main elements for them are autonomy. So this is about yourself. Do I have control or power? The second one is skill or competence. And this is where I'm saying we need to teach people to become better at the capacity to trust that this goes back to attachment and all these sorts of things that are critically important and how you feel about yourself are you secure or not safe you know do you trust other people and so on so the second one is 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 skill based so i think we need to teach this skill and and the third one believe it or not is relatedness how do we relate ourselves to others and how do others relate to us and so with young people becoming resilient, there's a physical aspect to resilience. So eat well, sleep well, exercise and, and so forth. That's pretty important. But there is a, and then there's the psychological sense about uh, resilience. So that's, am I of any worth? What is my self-regard? So this is trust, forgiveness, integrity, hope and compassion in reference to me. However, for young people as we grow up and for not so young people and even for people my age, very old, uh, that what, what, what in fact really determines is how other people see us, how other people live with us, how other people relate to us. And we can pretty soon lose confidence in ourselves and then mental our mental health becomes questioned when other people think we're foolish, when other people want to have a go at us, when other people are unkind to us, when other people think that you're not as good as you think you are. And slowly but surely, 
in adolescent years, of course, the most important uh, influence on them is their peers. So mid-teenagers, of course, well, at any age, but mid-teenagers quite uh, vividly sometimes get all mixed up about this. Do they become the, the tough guy or girl? Do they become the, the cool one? Do they kind of hang around with an elite group and disregard everybody else? How do you think we ha can help them more powerfully to find their way to good friendship and good relationships? I think we have to start before they get to teenagers in yes, teaching yes, so, so that, in fact, their self-efficacy, Maslow's work, their self-efficacy is they develop a sense of self-control, of autonomy and so forth because bullying, harassment and all these other sorts of things that we, Mexican wave stuff that sort of gets us going is just an inappropriate use of power in relationships. What we try out when we're learning about relationships, we try something, and if it works, oh, fantastic, that's good, it worked. But if it doesn't work, then we usually throw it away. And you often say, Andrew, that we're all scientists. We all have a go, we all experiment. Well, children experiment with relationships, so do adults, and they try them out and see whether it's okay. And this is, goes back to why I'm saying when you're trying something out, it depends how you approach it. So if you try something now so you can get some benefit, so you try it out so it's going to be good for you, but stuff the rest, uh, then you become a taker. I'm saying that if you want to avoid the types of things that you just illustrated there or, or mentioned, it is securely uh, develop a relationship on the basis of what you can give to it. Now, people will take advantage of that. They will take it. There is no question about that because they are not maybe thinking as you're thinking about forming a relationship. You have to wear that. Now, I know that because as a young man, I stammered very badly. And so I was, if you like, the butt of much attention that wasn't kind. But they were nice people. They just were struggling themselves with how, how do they relate to this fellow who can't talk to talk properly at all, at all? And so this, they thought, was amusing, and they used amusement, amusing one another, to see if they could somehow tease me. So teasing is just about, it's a relational exercise. Bullying is a relational exercise. And if we get relationships right, then we will, and, and those fellows and, people who who teased me were good people they were just struggling with how how can i relate to this bloke what what do we do about that and i we are hardwired to be kind everyone wants to be kind and we know that we could do the neuroscience of it we know everyone's heart you have to practice to be cruel we are hard. so you can practice and you can be a real prick you can become cruel there is no question of it. And you can become very, very, very good at it. But it destroys your mental health. It destroys your capacity. And it goes back to what I said earlier. You'll become alone. And we know that loneliness is destructive. We know that if you are put in solitary confinement, it's the cruelest thing you can do to anyone is to isolate them from life, from their friends. So, John, one of the most powerful improvements this country could make would be to really invest in positive relationships right across the board. 
if you're, if I can sort of imagine you having a crystal ball with a, you know, the capacity to really implement something along those lines that you would really think would make a difference, what might that look like? I would like every school, every school to teach from prep to year 12 as the pivotal well-being exercise in the school. I would like to teach them about relationships from woe to go so that everyone understood closely not only what are the qualities but what their contribution is and how their health and well-being is tied up in how they perceive themselves in reference to others and how others see themselves in reference to them. If you are going to perform at your best you have to be content that in a relational context and we live in a galaxy of relationships some we deliberately form ourselves most relationships are imposed upon us through circumstance so our classroom relationships how do we manage meeting new kids our class we go to a school the relationship we have with our teachers are imposed upon us through circumstance when i'm driving a car all the relationships uh, of those people beside me are imposed upon just that circumstance so but we live in a relationship and we have an intimate relationship with someone and I've been married for 45 years. We have an intimate relationship. How does that endure? How do close relationships endure? You must nurture them, invest in them, work hard at keeping them alive. It is your obligation to make a contribution. Uh, and this morning I just sent a, a, a message off to a friend who has just had neurosurgery uh, and I'm just hoping that she's okay and those little things people that's why people like getting just a card every now and then or a Christmas card or whatever it might be or a birthday card which shows that other people care and that's a relational thing to be grateful is all related there's nothing really that in life that's not relational so I think if we centered our entire well-being programs around teaching people about relationships then all the other sorts of stuff like resilience and gratitude and love of learning all the sorts of stuff and the the seligman perma model and all those sorts of things will just be gathered in that teaching of relationships so if you wanted if i wanted to say what is my belief is that relationships matter we need to teach people Thank you, John. I'm honoured to spend this time with you as always, and I want to uh, honour your work. I think it's remarkable. If people want to read more or be in contact with you, how would they go about doing that? I can give out my email address, Andrew. Please do, John. Yes, uh, which for all those who uh, have ever been associated with the silly game, the wonderful game of cricket, my email address is all lowercase take the single at gmail.com thank you so much for our time today john really appreciate talking to you thank you thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you would like to follow up in further detail please listen in to some of the other podcasts that we have made which are available through the generation next website there are also a series of books uh, from Generation Next in terms of nurturing young minds, uh, covering a series of issues to do with young people. 
and also in my own book, Tricky Behaviours and Your Best Life at Any Age, which are both available either on Amazon or through Bad Apple Press. Thank you so much and I uh, hope to connect with you again soon. Thank you. The Mental Health and Wellbeing of Young People seminar has gone digital. This is a resource for anyone who supports young people. The e-learning hub has all your favourite speakers from the Generation Next events and much more. There are hours and hours of courses to choose from. We know life's busy, so we made sure you can pause the courses at any stage and continue where you left off the next time you log in. You can also automatically download your certificates of participation and record your notes and ideas with the documentation tool and editable course books. If you would like to try it out, head to generationnext.com.au and sign up yourself and your whole team for the next free course. And please, share the resource far and wide. Thank you for your support for Generation Next and all you do to support young people.